It's goosebump time in Oxford, Mississippi. Podcast Rebellion. We are back at it again here in the Second Line Studio for the first time of 2020, I should say, of the season. As opening weekend starts Thursday, September 3rd, which will be the day that you're listening to this. I assume college football 2020 is back. COVID 19 be damned. I'm your host, Zach Barry. Joining me, for the first episode of the Legal Gambling Council in 2020, Nicholas Carr, Austin Gray. Gentlemen, it feels like we have not talked gambling in college football in like four years. It's been a minute. Man, yeah, I feel like I've forgotten how to gamble. And trust me, I did forget how to gamble if you looked at how my weekend last weekend was with NBA. Yeah, those bubble bets are tricky. (laughs) When you, uh, you know what I say, Nick, when you forget how to gamble, when you forget how to gamble, you just gamble on golf. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, then you, that's a shot in the dark. Then you learn, then you learn how to gamble again. <laughs> um, so yeah, so it's good to be back. It's good to have you all back in studio here. Um, we start Thursday, September 3rd with a couple games, but, uh, we're going to talk a little on this here. Uh, so with, Couple scrimmages in the books, uh, fall camp rumblings, uh, observations, hot takes, all the stuff that we know and love from camp. As far as the year one, year zero, whatever you want to call it, of Lane Kiffin, what are you guys most looking forward to? Or, or what are some things? And look, it doesn't even have to be true. You can throw out one thing that you've heard from camp that you're most looking forward to. Just go ahead and throw it out there. Uh, Austin, we'll start with you. What, what's what's something that you've heard or something you're excited about? Yeah, it seems that by all accounts, uh, Henry Parrish, the, the the freshman running back, it's Henry, right? Um, Stole mine. <laughs> from yeah, uh, yeah. from Florida has been impressive, and I'll just say I think if you're impressing um, in our backfield, you're probably legit because I think Jerry Neely is obviously a star. I think Snoop Connor is. Um, probably lesser known, but really effective last year in sort of limited action, or at least in split splitting time with uh, Jerry. And so, I think Parrish appears to be promising. And Zach, I, I think you made the comp to Reggie Bush, or had heard folks making the comp to Reggie Bush. That's pretty elite company. Now, I don't expect Reggie Bush like production, obviously, from a freshman. And again, it's going to be he's going to have to split some carries, especially if. John Rice Plumley is taking handoffs rather than lining up at quarterback, but um, which I think is possible. But uh, yeah, looking forward to Parrish. Um, I'll keep it yeah, on the offense. Yeah, I'll keep it on the offensive side of the ball, just because. I mean, you know, defense is well. There's a lot of questions on defense, but Dennis Jackson seems to be the the speed freak every single time that the the football program posts a tweet talking about you know, top speed reached or quickest 40 or whatever. I'm really excited to see him uh, just to see that out there. A blazer. I mean, uh, we didn't really have much in the way of, well, I mean, we had speed, but we just didn't see a ton last year from the wide receivers uh, because of the offense we ran. And so I'm, I'm hopeful. I'm extremely hopeful that we're going to play the quarterback who can get the ball down the field with his arm 
and we're going to get the ball down the field to those fast wide receivers. Yeah, Danis has uh, his name has been mentioned quite a few times. Jonathan Mingo, those guys appear to be poised for a uh, for a breakout sophomore year. I know that Jaden Jackson was was impressing early. He's been battling a couple nagging injuries, uh, but yeah, those two alongside Elijah Moore, and then uh, really excited to see what they do with Kenny Yaboa and uh, Chase Rogers at tight end. As we know, Lane Kiffin loves utilizing the tight end. I'm going to go on defense, and I'm going to say I'm going to cheat a little bit here and highlight two different sets. Um, one that I'm really excited about is Mark Britt, the freshman from Florida. He's been impressive on the offensive end, but they've moved him over to defense and uh, put him at safety. I believe he's been running with the ones because uh, they're so thin in the defensive backfield. So Mark Britt is probably the one thing that I'm excited about coming out of fall camp. He's uh, impressed. They've uh, really liked what he's done on both sides. He's an explosive athlete. So he, uh, he look, I, I'll say this, and obviously everybody's going to laugh and, and joke about it. I get a lot of Nick Brazel vibes from Mark Britt now on the field. So talent wise, Nick Brazel vibes, not off the field, um, capable of playing both ways, very explosive. Um, somebody that's going to get a lot of PT. I- I've been told he is definitely not red shirting. Um, side about him. And then, Hey, the two Canadians, eh? Oh yeah. Tavius yeah. Robinson, Dean oh, Leonard, nice. both in. Um, yeah. So Tavius Robinson, uh, I guess, went semi-viral uh, on the uh, on the line on Twitter. Uh, there was a video of him with his shirt off. He's not small. Um, very large, great hair. And then uh, Dean Leonard, who uh, reported to campus, I guess, a week ago, week and a half ago. Um, I th- formality aside, he's still waiting, awaiting clearance, but I, there's not going to be anything that's going to hold that up from what he has told me. Um, he has already uh, – we talked uh, – Nick talked about the speed freaks. Uh, he's already been on there running 20 plus miles an hour on the field. So I expect him to be very much involved in the defensive back rotation on the defense, which, uh, which is good because that was a uh, big time weakness last season late in games. So a uh, lot of, a lot of excitement. Uh, people are anticipating this game one against Florida. We'll get to that eventually. Um, but we are going to talk about week one. We've got Thursday games. We've got Saturday games. Um, I believe we, we have a Monday game. Do we have anything on? So nothing on Sunday. Um, but we've got a, a full slate to get to, to uh, talk lines, talk picks, and we'll give you our locks as we always do. Um, last thing, gentlemen, buried the lead a little bit here, but uh, what have you, uh, what have you guys been doing during, uh, the shutdown slash getting back to normal. What, what, have you picked up any new hobbies? I've just been Corona broing, man. That's really it's <laughs> a full time gig. Uh, that's right. Yeah, that's true. I didn't think about. I, I, no new hobbies. I don't guess. I mean, I, maybe instead of betting on uh, on sporting events, I feel like I probably play some more bets on the twenty twenty election than I probably should have. In more ways oh, than yeah. one. What's the action on that right now? Uh, oh, oh, just democracy. 
<laughs> committing felons. Yeah, democracy is the felonies to own the list. Democracy is the underdog here. It's it's a, yeah it's plus one ten. <laughs> what's the I'll say? What's the uh, what are the odds for common sense? Uh, I, you know they were they were good odds earlier in the in the in the summer, and I think that as things have gone along, uh, they're a little longer odds by the day. They're dead by even the with do the right thing. Um, yeah, so I just pulled it up, and Biden is minus one twenty right now with an implied probability of forty nine point six percent. So Donald Trump is plus one hundred. Okay. Yeah. I, so in real real talk, and I'm, I'm sure that people are really interested in this. I, I've seen a lot of of people talking about how the lines have closed recently. In terms of about uh, a month ago, uh, Biden was about one sixty, I think, which is a, a and maybe maybe 180, which is like a, a touchdown favorite or more in a football game. That's a big favorite for a, a guy facing an incumbent, um, a very unpopular incumbent, but but an incumbent nonetheless. However, I, I think that you guys might remember from 2016, a lot of people made money because Trump was a really, really big underdog. And people kind of just threw, you know, 20 bucks on the, on the line. And all of a sudden they made, you know, 150 at the end of the night because he was such a such a large underdog. I think that that's kind of I think people remember that from 2016 and they're, and they're going, you know, oh, this is, you know, this happened in 16. It's going to happen again in 20. I think that those odds are a little closer right now than they probably should be based on numbers. But I, I think I think Vegas is scared, too, of, of losing their 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 tails a little bit like they did four years ago. So uh, to your point, Nick, on July 30th, Biden was minus 200. Um, by August 18th, he was minus 149. And then as you would expect, there's been sort of a post-convention bump um, for Trump and the RNC, I think the most recent, right? So now we're all the way down from 137 to 120 for Biden, and Trump has gone from uh, 175, plus 175 on July 30th. Plus 130 on August 17th, plus 125 on August 24th to now uh, plus 100. So I think it's probably to be expected, and I completely agree with your your point, Nick. I think there's still um, there's still some afterglow, perhaps after the, the 2016 uh, performance and the the underdog Cinderella run that that Trump had. Um, but even leading up to election night in 16 i don't i can't recall the exact numbers you guys might but he wasn't nearly the underdog that i think we uh we sort of remember i think there's some nostalgia there at least revisionist history Uh, because i remember going into that week nate silver gave him i think 33 percent chance of winning approximately a third which is certainly not insignificant we've talked about this before offline which uh, you know, if somebody said you had a 33% chance of dying on the next flight you went on, you wouldn't get on that plane, right? So that's a significant number. So he wasn't this like complete Cinderella. It was certainly unexpected, mm-hmm. but 33% is a, is not insignificant at all. Yeah, there was th- that those long odds came from, I guess, in, early in the night on election night, the odds were a little longer because, well, things started going right for Hillary at the beginning of the night. But if I told you guys that Ole Miss had a 33% chance of beating Florida, would y'all take that right now? Sure. Absolutely, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Sure. Mm-hmm. I, I just, I mean, if you told me we have a, we have yeah. a third, we're, you know, we're, we play Florida three times, we win one of them, I would absolutely take those odds. I, I mean, I would take those odds against um, Auburn and Texas A&M 
Definitely Florida. Oh, I mean, yeah. Mm-hmm. There, there's no doubt. I was going to say, basically um, everybody on the schedule except for Arkansas, Vandy, and maybe State, right? Yeah, absolutely. Right, yeah. I'd agree with you there. Um, just some uh, interesting numbers here as we're looking to, uh, you know, start trending towards discussing college football gambling. Um Last thing here, uh, some some poll projections, poll numbers, analytics, uh, some fascinating things to follow on Twitter for an election. Um, at political underscore polls, they uh, that's a good follow. They they release a ton of numbers daily. Um, it seems sometimes it seems like almost every hour. Uh, I've I've been fascinated by it, and uh, I send it to you all the time. You'll probably get sick of it, but uh, today they released Arizona which Biden is up plus nine right now, Wisconsin, Biden plus eight, and North Carolina, Biden plus four. Come on and raise up. <laughs> that is very intriguing. Um, yes, shout out to P. Pablo. But, but we're not uh, trying to get politics some and other sports. things that I – Politics um, and sports, two separate things. Never no, mix. We're doing no. That's no why we're doing personalities ever mix politics and sports. Right. Well, that's why we're doing politics in the first segment, and then we're going to do all college football gambling in the second. So, um, yeah, very interesting. Uh, G. Elliot Mor- Morris. He's a data journalist for the Economist. Um, he's a he's an interesting guy to follow on Twitter. Puts out a ton of numbers all the time. He's currently writing a book about polls and democracy, which, as we know, is the huge underdog here. Um, I know, like Austin was talking about how the post convention bump, I think you can definitely see that. Um, now, the post convention bump might be uh, temperatures of people like getting fevers, and that's the bump that's going up because nobody's social distancing or wearing a mask. Um, yeah. Yeah. Because, yeah, shout out to the soy bros that wear masks. What a bunch of <laughs> pussies. Um, but his model that they have is um, – has they, they have like different, you know, listings for what's likely to happen right now. Electoral College, Joe Biden very likely to win per their projections. Now, that's updated at the end of August, so August 28th, forecasted by The Economist and then um, – another data analyst from Columbia University. So they have all these different models that they throw this into. So just interesting stuff. If you're definitely wanting to gamble on the election, you should follow these people that we have just discussed. Whoever you're whoever you're voting for, whatever, uh, gambling, all in good fun. Do whatever you want. It's your money. Um, all right, fellas, we ready to uh, jump into our, our second segment and talk some college football for it's fuck's sake, finally. Let's do it. Unless y'all just, unless we just want to keep talking about, uh, I mean, look, we didn't even talk about <laughs> the Senate race, Kelly versus McSally. Uh, in North Carolina, we got Cunningham, Tillis, Bray, Hayes. We we could just talk about all these people, but, uh, but yeah, all right, we'll we'll come back from the break after you hear from our sponsors. We're going to talk some college football. Our uh, our big, large, former quarterback. Mr. Benjamin Woodhouse is here with us. He's going to join us in the second segment to pick games. We're going to give you locks. We're going to get back to normal, guys. No more unprecedented times. Okay? Fuck that. Back to precedented times. Stick with us when we come back. 
It's Zach again, Podcast Rebellion, to remind you of our lovely sponsors here at the show. If you like New Orleans-inspired cuisine, go see Kelly English and the good folks in Memphis at Second Line or Restaurant Iris for some fantastic food and cocktails. You can also travel down to the coast to Magnolia House in Biloxi at Harris Gulf Coast. Blackjack, craps, slots, southern cooking, cocktails, what's not to like? All three fantastic establishments Part of the Kelly English Restaurant Group. Good food, good people, good cocktails. It can't be beat. That's Second Line, Restaurant Hours in Memphis, and Magnolia House in Biloxi. Speaking of good food, if you're in Oxford, go see Greg and the good folks at LB's Meat Market, the inaugural sponsor of this year's podcast, on University Avenue, across from Kroger. Celebrate with the best protein for your almost grilling needs with Greg and the rest of the folks there. And be sure to tell them that Red Cup sent you for exclusive deals and promotions. Remember, the Philly combo is back for just $10 right now. And you've got your lunch specials 11 to 3.30, Monday through Friday. That's LB's Meat Market on University, across from Kroger. Arby's is full of shit. LB's has the meats. Speaking of Oxford, if you're looking to get some libations going, be sure to check out Wonderbird Spirits, North Mississippi's first distillery. It's a quick little eight-minute drive south of Oxford on Old Taylor Road, and it's the only spot in the Magnolia State for a true grain-to-glass gin experience. The space is fantastic. Chan and the rest of the guys there are doing some fantastic stuff. Uh, Go there, get a tour, do a tasting, or you could do both. Inquire about maybe renting it out for a private event, maybe an anniversary, a wedding reception, a rehearsal dinner, something The place is amazing. That's Wonderbird Spirits, North Mississippi's first distillery in Taylor, Mississippi. And be sure to follow them on Instagram for all their latest updates and uh, comings and goings there at Wonderbird. Speaking of libations, if you're in Memphis and you're looking to stock the cooler this year, Old Dominic on South Front Street is your place to go. Just like Wonderbird, you can go there for a tasting, for a tour, or both. And be sure to check out the rooftop bar, which is super awesome. has some great views of downtown Memphis, of the Mississippi River. Uh, you can try their Healing Station High Rye Bourbon, the Memphis Toddy, the Memphis Vodka, or the new Honey Bell Vodka. You can get it all there or at your local package store. So celebrate with that Healing Station Bourbon, a very small batch High Rye Bourbon by the folks at Old Dominic. It's a bold classic whiskey with notes of stone fruit, dark cherry, just the right amount of spice and heritage that dates back to 1866. You can enjoy it neat or even in your favorite cocktail like an old-fashioned. It's got a mash bill of 52% corn, 44% rye, and 4% malt. Healing Station stands alone in its category of high rye bourbons. So you could do that or you can enjoy a quick taste of Memphis Toddy before the game this weekend and then you can wind down with that Healing Station afterwards. So like we always say, Ask your, pa- ask, ask your package store where you can find Healing Station by Old Dominic. And, as always, OD encourages you to share SIP responsibly. And last but certainly not least, if you're in the market for a new vehicle, make it a Clark Ford vehicle. Corey Clark and the rest of the folks in Amory, Mississippi on Highway 25 are committed to finding you a new vehicle today. Be sure to browse their inventory online, request more information about the vehicles, set up a test drive, 
and inquire about financing all online. If you want to do it a little old school, maybe uh, conversate via telephone, you can give them a call at 662-257-1900 and get in a new Ford today. is here with us now i will start off uh we've got some bad news we're gonna give you bad news first and then we're gonna give you good news the bad news said ben was gonna join us he had momentarily joined us here on the show uh he had to drop off technical difficulties but he is gonna give us his uh his two locks so you will get that but nick and austin are still here um now i will say that this slate now it's not a loaded one but it is college football and we do have a game on thursday and then we do have games on saturday and we have a game on monday so uh it's not the it's not the best slate to uh, i guess throw a ton of money at but uh, it is something that you can certainly make some money if you pick the right games. So with that, I throw it over to Austin, uh, our resident gambling expert. Is there anything, before we jump into the slate, is there anything that, that sticks out to you? Yeah, I think we probably just need to throw out a disclaimer in general for this season. And it's sort of commonsensical. So for many of you, it's it's kind of like no shit. But you have to check injury reports or inactives before games because COVID is taking a toll already. Um, in the first game, I think Arkansas State's best receiver and probably best offensive player, arguably, I know they have a five-star running back, but um, was didn't even make the trip for their uh, game against Central Arkansas. I think they had an offensive lineman that was out. I think Central Arkansas had some backups that were out. Arkansas State may have actually had a couple starting defensive linemen out too. So if teams are publishing that information, you're going to want to check it. And uh, the downside is obviously, you know, these things can change quickly too. So it's not like knowing a sprained ankle a week in advance. It, it could change um, the night before, maybe even the day of. So that's going to muddy the waters greatly. Um, probably wait until as late as you can to pull the trigger uh, just to make sure you're playing with a full deck. Yeah, and, and two, I mean, if you hear, um, or, or I, I should say last weekend, the, the Central Arkansas-Austin P game, um, there was, I believe it was, Central Arkansas went down there without maybe maybe Austin P. Austin P. went down there. That's who it was. They went down there without their starting and their backup long snap. That's right. Yeah, and that's like you, that's something you would never think of. Think of like that's one of the most important guys on the field. It totally debilitates your ability to give the ball back to the other team when you're punting. So if you're at your own twenty-five yard line, I mean, turning the ball over at the twenty-five or punting it to the other forty is a huge difference in the game, especially, you know, when you're betting lines that are going to be sharp. I mean, that's just, I mean, y'all watched the game last week. I believe the line was three and a half. Um, it was a seven point game. Uh, Austin P tied it up late and the central Arkansas scored with like 18 seconds to go. And it was a very sharp line. They ended up winning by a touchdown. 
So, you know, if, if a, 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 a long snapper can be worth three or four or seven points easily in a game. So it, it's something you've got to watch up almost to kick off. And a lot of times you're, you're not going to know who is or who isn't playing until four or five hours before a game. You know, for example, if Ole Miss is playing Alabama, uh, it's very possible if it's a night game, it's very, very possible Ole Miss goes over day of the game. You might have no idea. That's a bad example because they're coming here. It might be possible that Alabama comes over here day of the game, and you would have no idea who is on the bus until, you know, if it's a 7 o'clock kick, until noon that day. So if you're betting that morning when you wake up, you know, they, you might think that you know Alabama's long snapper is going to be there, and he doesn't get on the bus. Yeah, so, Austin, yeah, you talk about waiting up till kickoff. And Austin yeah. Peay's quarterback was punting for basically from the second quarter forward. I know I said Arkansas State earlier. I'm looking at Central Arkansas schedule, and they have Arkansas State in a couple of weeks. So sorry for the slip there. Yeah, Austin Peay. Um, but yeah, you're right, Nick. They had no ability to flip the field after you know the first quarter, the two the two bad snaps, and then they basically had the quarterback pooch punting for the rest of the game yeah yeah i mean if you're if you're a college coach right now i, I think it was um the the, the pick six podcast of cbs was talking about i mean i would be taking every single large human on my team that could play out front and i would be seeing hey you know can you snap can you long snap and i would have about 12 guys and then uh starting up to about four days before every game my long snappers would not see each other. They would not. They would never be in the same room with each other at the same time. They would have no idea, you know, what each other looks like until day of the game, and they'd finally get together. I would keep my long snappers far away from each other, just to ensure. I mean, that, think about, you know, Ole Miss is playing Texas A&M, Ole Miss is playing Auburn, Ole Miss is playing South Carolina. The small margins, and you know, one bad snap that you don't normally get in an SEC football game is the difference in, you know, 34-31 and 37-34. It's wild how, like Austin said, you're going to have to pay attention and you're going to have to make sure that you know who is playing, who is not playing, who's traveling, who's not traveling. Um, One of the games that we're picking this weekend, huge, huge name has opted out. We'll get into that. Uh, Without further ado, like we always do, Nick, you will take us uh, on a journey here. I'm throwing the keys to you. And uh, look, new studio, new new, new sounds. Uh, without further ado, take it away. There we are. Yeah, so we've got, um, let's see, 10 games. We've got nine games coming up this weekend. Excuse me. Uh, only five of which are going to be between FBS teams. But if you look hard enough, you can probably find that FBS versus FCS line. Um, oh, yeah. Just simply because, you know, someone's going to have that. But so, so starting off tomorrow night, we've got uh, your Central Arkansas Bears, who, by the way, covered <laughs> last week against Austin P. Uh, they're getting 18 and a half against UAB. I don't understand this one. This is a team on five days rest. Yeah. Uh, going to UAB, I think that they could get blown the heck out but you guys watched the game last week oh i'm I'm, you may not have i did i it i don't know if it was because of the lack of preseason camp i don't know if it was the you know missing guys or the just the the practice that they didn't get because you know some of the guys were in quarantine or some of the guys you know 
were just not able to be there. But that was a sloppy game last oh. week. And maybe Central Arkansas having played a game will help. But I'm, I'm, I think we're going to see a lot of really, really sloppy football this weekend. I'm, I'm with you here. I, I'm hesitant on whether or not I want to take the line or if I'm looking at an over-under here. I think UAB is going to be not only well-prepared, but Bill Clark is going to have his defense ready. Central Arkansas, look, I know it was game one, and I know it's COVID, and you know, like Nick just said, with no fall camp, no spring ball, all that, it took UCA a good bit to get going. They were really slow out the gate. Um, now, they have, have – they've – got a game under their belt and look they got back to i don't even know where central arkansas is conway is that where it is i'm not sure oh that's right uh they had zero positive tests so they're obviously handling things well but like i said i like the blazers here i like them to um handle central arkansas now i'm gonna where are you guys here are you taking the points are we looking over under, or do we think this is a blowout? Um, you know what? Now that you say it, I don't hate taking taking the under. I don't see Central Arkansas. I mean, I watched that team last week. That offense was bad. I, I mean, they, they ended up winning because they kind of scored there late. Uh, but I watched the offense not do much at all. The receivers and quarterback didn't seem on the same page. I think this one's going to have like a beat down feel okay. to it to get to 48 and, and to be on the spread, you're looking at, at, at 35 to 17 or I guess 34 to, to 16. Uh, I don't see central Arkansas scoring that many points. Uh, I think this one's like a, like a 31 10 type of game. So I would, I would go with the under more than I would on the points. Yeah. I, I was going to say I'm leaning under because like I said, Bill Clark, very defensive minded. They're going to be really strong on that side of the football. And look, he's not just going to light it up and, and throw it all over the place. They're going to, he, he's an Alabama guy. He, he's got that old school mentality. He's going to control the football, control the clock. And uh, yeah, I like that pick there under 48 for this one. Austin, where you, what are you feeling? Yeah, I certainly couldn't bet over after having watched central Arkansas last week. Uh, <laughs> They were stuck in mud for most of the game. <laughs> Austin P too. Um, and as you said, you know, it's a weird season with COVID and it was week zero. So you would expect them to be rusty. But with as many possessions as both teams had last week to end up going under in that game. And the total was in low, I'm sorry, low to mid 40s. I think 45 and a half is where it closed. They went under that number. That's amazing to watch FCF, FCS teams who go relatively quickly. I mean, it wasn't true, hurry up, no huddle, but they, they weren't taking their time, and they still couldn't score. Um, so I can't imagine Central Arkansas moving the ball against UAB after the short turnaround, after travel as well, because that game last week was played in Alabama, right? So they, they were in Alabama, went back to Arkansas, and now turn around and go right back to Alabama. Uh, I think it's just a recipe for disaster for Central Arkansas. Uh, and you have to think they're probably a little satisfied, right? They won week one against an FCS, you know, comparable foe. Nobody on that roster has circled the UAB game for a win. You know, I think it's probably go roll our helmets out there, try not to get hurt. Bill Clark probably tries to get right 
get his team off to a good start. I think this may even be an accidental cover. I don't, I don't think he purposely tries to roll Central Arkansas, but would anybody be surprised with a 35-7 to seven final or a 38-3 to three final? I don't think I would. No. So it feels under, and it feels like UAB rolls. Yeah, I think so too. All right, so the next game, this is the the game of the night for me, I guess, is South Alabama at Southern Miss. Uh, Southern Miss is fourteen point uh, favorites, and the under over under is fifty one and a half. Mm. I, I I mean, I'll start it off and say I I think that South Alabama must be pretty bad this year. I'm trying to pull up the, the Bill C's SP plus this year, but I think that South Alabama is is exceptionally bad. One of the worst teams in FBS, according to his numbers. I'm I'm pulling them up right here. They're 119, uh, and their offense is 122 in the country. Uh, just looking at, at at who's below them, it's UMass who's not playing, UConn who's not playing, Akron who's not playing. Um, I don't think the Mountain West is playing. So so no New Mexico, no UNLV, um, no UTEP. Just a lot of teams that are not playing this year, obviously, but also that are that are notoriously bad football teams. I don't think Southern Miss is going to be great. They're at home. Uh, they're just a better program right now than, than South Alabama. Uh, I could see the the sharpness, like like you mentioned last week in, in Central Arkansas and Austin P and how bad they look, but 14 points, that's not a ton of points. I mean, especially if Central Arkansas can do nothing on offense. I mean, you know, 21 to 7 – is a cut is a is a push twenty one to three is a cover and that's not asking a ton out of out of Southern Miss. I'm going to take Southern you Miss. Got it at fourteen. Yeah, and you might could find it at thirteen and a half. Westgate's got it at thirteen and a half. MGM. Well, that's that's huge. Circa. Yeah, I was going to say um, DraftKings thirteen and a half. Yeah, if you can get it thirteen and a half, absolutely, just smash the button. I'm taking the mustard buzzards here to the top. Jack Abraham, final season. Uh, he's a good quarterback. <clears throat> All uh, jokes aside, um, you know, slang the pill around to DK Metcalf back in high school. He's he's actually been pretty good down there at Southern Miss. So uh, this is his last hurrah. You know, he's wanting to go out with a bang. And like you said, the Jags are not very good. So uh, down there at the Rock, I expect uh, it to be socially distant rocking. And um, yeah, I, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go Golden Eagles here. To uh, I'm gonna lay the points. Yeah, I think we again have some consensus here. Not only am I gonna take Southern, I'm gonna lay the the 14 with with them as a lock uh, for the week mm. for me. Yeah, this just feels like stealing. Really, I, I don't see how South Alabama keeps pace. Southern has veteran quarterback, pretty good pieces on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, I don't think their defense is particularly good, but as Nick said, South Alabama is expected to be just abysmal on offense. So you can easily see Southern getting into the low to mid thirties here. Let's say 35 to 10. It's a pretty comfortable cover 35 to 13. Um, I think Southern wins and wins easily covers going away. Nick, what, uh, what over under did you, what number did you have? Uh, 51 and a half. Where, where are you? So I see 53 and a half, and then I also see yeah. uh, Westgate 53 and a half. Yeah. Um, well, 
if you're seeing if you're seeing fifty three and a half, that's just more impetus to go ahead and take the under. Yeah, I don't. I mean, thirty five to fourteen gets gets you under, right. and I think that's a little bit high. So, well, yeah, I, I just don't go ahead. And, maybe, maybe there's going to be a ton of points. Go yeah, I'm going to I'm going to go ahead and tail Austin here, and I'm going to jump on with a lock for the under. Yeah, I like lock that. it up. I, I, I just think yeah, but, South Alabama is terrible, and I. Jack Abraham, let's say he comes out and throws throws three touchdowns, and then they pull him. Like, they'll be fine. And y'all hear every year in spring games, you know, the defense typically is kind of better, is ahead of where the offense is. It's kind of what this is going to be. And I just feel like it is significantly easier to kind of be in the right spot on defense. Or if you're not in the right spot, the offensive guy just is not on the same page as the quarterback than it is to be hitting on all cylinders as an offense. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, like I said, I watched the game last week, and if, if that's, you know, kind of any indicator of what we're looking at this week, then you need to be heavy on the unders. Yeah. That's, that's Completely a good, that's agree. That's a great point. All right, who we got next? All right, uh, well, we're going to skip Eastern Michigan and Marshall. That game's on at that's noon. Fine. I don't have a line on it. Um, I, I mean, watch it because it's on. But if you need to mow the grass or, you know, get brunch or anything like that, you're more than welcome to do it because um, with the, one of the games of the day, I would say this, this game and then the Arkansas State Memphis game later on, is mm-hmm. CBS Sports Network, 1230, Middle Tennessee at Army. Army is a three-and-a-half-point favorite. Give me the, 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 is the Black Knights. Mm-hmm. Give, me, give me the Knights. Yeah. Yeah, this one, um, I I don't know what you're seeing. I'm seeing 55 is the over under, which feels steep. Um, yeah, especially week it does. week one, uh, it just feels like it's a lot. Uh, Middle Tennessee typically has good quarterback play under uh, under Stocksteel. They um, they always have a, a an offense that can really put up points. But you know, Army's going to run the triple option. They're going to play keep away. They're going to just bleed the clock dry so the under here seems like a uh, good play but i'm gonna go did you say minus four uh i've got three and a half um but yeah three and a half four range yeah i um i think now army new new starting quarterback that they have sandy mccoy and rt's hobbs back uh at running back wing back whatever you want to call it um I just think that with the struggles to defend the run last year from Middle Tennessee, I think that Army minus four is a solid pick here. Uh, Army was a combined twenty-one and five in twenty seventeen and twenty eighteen. Um, now they did drop to wow. five and eight in twenty nineteen, um, but. Solid program. I just feel like the option early on in the season gives. We saw it last year with Navy giving Michigan fits early in the season with that with that offense. So now you've got limited spring, no spring ball, and limited fall camp, and you got to stop the option. I like the uh, I like the the Black Knights here, and it's at Mickey Stadium. So yeah, same for me. Yeah, I, I'll echo. Yeah, I, I let go all that and say, I mean, that's not the team you want to face on, on – it's not short rest, but on short preparation. 
Army's not the team. 55 seems high, um, though sometimes option teams, when you really can't stop them, like you really, really can't See stop Army them. versus Houston. It's almost like a really bad soccer game. Army versus Houston. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's like – it's like a bad soccer game. Like, yeah, like three nothing is a drubbing in soccer, but like, there's not not a next level. There's not many three nothing. There's not many six nothings. It's like either three nothing or fifteen nothing. So, and I feel like that's kind of what Army does. They either score like twenty one on you or like sixty. Yeah, they put seventy on Houston in twenty eighteen. The Armed Forces Bowl, um, <laughs> seventy to fourteen win. Yeah, I, I co-sign everything you've all said, and I. If you have three and a half, it may be better off to buy the hook down to three. I'll uh, let you be the judge if you want to spend that double juice. But I'm going to lock in Army at, at three and a half or four, whatever whatever line we've got. I don't know. What's the official line, Nick? Is it four or three and a half? I am, I've pulled up a website. I've got three and a half. Yeah, here. yeah, so I say buy the hook down to three, and that's my lock. Here's the thing. Middle Tennessee State's defensive coordinator hasn't seen – the triple option since uh, he played Georgia Tech a few years ago. You want to guess how many Georgia Tech put on the board? 56. Um, mm. So no player Ooh. currently on Middle Tennessee State's defense has seen the option um, in their career, unless they saw it in high school, which is possible, I suppose. But Middle Tennessee State has not faced a triple option attack with this defense, with any player. So no seniors have even seen it. Uh, I, don't, I don't think that's a recipe for success for Middle Tennessee, who is already sort of inclined to be more of an offensive-oriented team anyway with Stockstill and that approach. They're kind of fun and gun and wide open and chunking around. I don't think they're going to have the wherewithal or the appetite to hang in with Army and get punched in the nose for four quarters without the dam breaking. Uh, so lay the four, lay the three and a half, lock it in. All right, next game, and here, here I'm going to go ahead and give you guys a lock here is it's Southern Miss. I've got them going to Texas State. I might need to double-check that. It seems kind of an odd place. No, I think they they do go to San Marcos. I don't care. The the game the line is 22. I'm not taking that, though. I think SMU is going to beat them badly. It's the under 66-and-a-half I'm taking here. I think the thought is, is that SMU gets in high-scoring games and, and they're, they're a team that's going to win you know, 38-31. Or, or 42-35 or even 42-30 to 30 type, that's not going to happen here. Texas State was 3-9 and nine last year, did not have a good offense. Uh, they also had a short preseason camp. Who knows who's going to opt out if they you know they lose seven long snappers the week of the game. Uh, they're not scoring enough points. Unless SMU scores 50 or more themselves, Texas State's not scoring enough to get this to 66.5. So take the under – uh, let me double check and make sure, but I've, I believe I've got it right right here at – it's all the way up to 70 and a half. I don't know what Vegas is thinking here. You're taking their money from them. Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and uh, I'm going to lock it in SMU minus 21 and a half. Yeah, I, I, I don't – it's not going to be close. I mean, look. It, it look it makes perfect sense that you can't you you can't be the starter in Austin, Texas, when Heisman uh, favorite running on three years now, Sam Ellinger is there. We get that. Um, but Shane Buchel is is no bum. He proved that last year when SMU was was really good. 
Reggie Roberson is back, and uh, I think almost I think almost the entire offensive line for SMU is back as well. They were uh, a top ten offense last year. They returned most of the starters. This is going to be, um, albeit it's an abbreviated season asterisk, whatever you want to call it. Um, they have a real shot to win the AAC this year. Um, and uh, look, Jake Spavadol, brilliant offensive mind, done a lot of great things with offenses in the past. This is his second season. It's a total rebuild at uh, at Texas State. So um, SMU, clearly the better program, the better team in week one. Uh, it's on the road, but that doesn't matter. They're going to blow them out. Yeah, this this is going to be a massacre. I kind of agree with Nick, too, about that total. I think the, your first instinct when you see an SMU game is to just go over, right? It's an auto bet. But Texas State is comparable to South Alabama that we, we've we already discussed tonight. Bill C. has them down around 123, I think, in the S&P Plus. Ooh. Yeah, they're not there. No matter what SMU does, unless SMU gets to 70 by themselves, and that is possible. Let's be clear. That's possible. <laughs> but they're going to have to do all the heavy lifting by themselves. I, this feels more like a 48-10 kind of beat down, you know, 48-14 maybe. You're still well under that 70. Um, so I like both uh, the the ponies minus the points as well as the under. Again, it feels counterintuitive on that that under. Later in the season, SMU will probably be putting up video game-like numbers and getting scored on um, as well. I just don't see it in this opener. I, I think it's going to be one-sided, ugly, and uh, SMU runs away with it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. That under, to me, is, is a – is an easy play here. All right, the, the, the game of the day is, well, I suppose it's the game of the day. Not the game of the weekend, however. Uh, Arkansas State at Memphis. Yes, on primetime ESPN, I think that just goes to show you exactly where things are in the college football landscape. Uh, I've got it. The last line I see here is Memphis all the way up to minus 19. This is a lot of points. And the over-under at 74, which is also a lot of mm. points. Yeah. Yeah, I've seen this one minus 20 and a half Memphis over under 71 and a half. Um, yeah, you've got Circa's at 74, MGM 74, Westgate 74. Yeah, uh, I'm actually going to say take the under here. Uh, I, I do think that defending AAC champs uh, now no more Mike Norvell and then Kenny Gainwell has opted out of the season. Brady White is back, and DeMonte Coxie is back. Uh, Ryan Silverfield, the new head coach, uh, had an impressive showing in the Cotton Bowl against Penn State. I think um, they're a little too much for Blake Anderson and uh, the Red Wolves here, but I do think it's a very tight, contested game. I mean, this is a rivalry game, guys. This is the battle for for I forty here. This is this is this is the Bluff City versus Jones boogie. I mean, this is this is going to be a, a, a very <laughs> heated match. Um, like we said, prime time is going to be at night uh, at the Liberty Hole. So I'm taking Brady White in that offense, but it, it, it closer than the experts think. Extremely Corso voice here. Uh, I'd go the under here. Yeah, 74 seems like a ton. I, I would lean uh, – you know, I think I might lean Memphis just because I don't like the Arkansas State defense. But this is a game that I would stay away. You know, either one for me. 
neither bet looks very enticing, and it's probably a game that I would just – well, I'll say that. It's probably a game I would bet because it's, it's on <laughs> and it's the only game of the oh, night. Yeah. But it's not a game that I would tell you to bet. No, I think sometimes the best thing we can do for ourselves and our listeners is just say, like, we don't know. Like, we don't, we have no idea. Because <laughs> I don't know what Gainwell is worth. I think he's yeah, I have a, no idea. a very good player. Um, and I like Memphis's offense. I, I, I like it a lot more with Gainwell in it. But even without Gainwell, I think they've got some interesting pieces and should probably be able to put up some numbers. But, you know, another loss that we're not really talking about is Mike Norvell. And I, I, I think the new guys at Silverfield, Zach, is that what you said? Um, yeah, Ryan Silverfield. Yeah, good coach. And I think was with Norvell for a while, so seems capable, appears to be capable, especially based on that bowl game showing. But Memphis really wanted to win that bowl game. I mean, they had a lot to prove. They had a chip on their shoulder. I don't know that we should expect that type of performance every game going forward uh, for mm-hmm. the new coach for this era. So what's, what's Gainwell worth? I don't know. I, it feels like he's worth a few points. Uh but on the other hand, I, you know, I don't know what really Arkansas State brings to the table either. Um, it's really tight. I'm with Nick. I think this is a complete stay away. It feels like under because that's a big number in week one with COVID, with what we expect to be rusty offenses and just sloppy football generally. It's it's going to be hard to, to get there if both teams are in the mid to high 30s. That's what you need, basically. I don't think Memphis gets above 40. I don't see Arkansas State getting above 40. If you want to bet it, it's probably under, but complete stay away. Yeah. I really, I don't really care what happens in this game so much as I want, I just kind of want it to get crazy. I, I want, I mean, I just want it to be a late night Memphis home game. You know, I mean, don't, don't give me, you know, 31, 24. I, I need something exciting. I either need it to be like seven to five or I need it to be, you know, 47 to 45. I just need something strange. But I, I have a question, I guess. It's kind of an aside for you guys. Do y'all think that Gainwell has told Memphis internally before this week that he was going to opt out? I mean, surely he wasn't practicing up until six days before the game, and then all of a sudden he decides to opt out, right? Especially if, if you know, I think they said that he, he's lost four members of his extended family. I, I'm, I'm curious if y'all think – that Memphis knew about it for weeks and just sat on the news. I don't know. It's a um, great question. Otherwise it just seems sort of odd. It's know? a great question. And I, I lean toward Memphis not knowing, or at least not revealing it. Well, I don't think they knew actually because the market, the number didn't reflect his absence until very recently. You know, usually Vegas gets wind of mm-hmm. these sorts of things. They've got guys everywhere and insiders and they hear tips and um, that drives the number. And it certainly drives moves in most cases. It didn't move until Gainwell announced, right? I think that's right. Yeah, and I think I think the the, the market's taking it even more towards Memphis, honestly. Yeah, so it may have been priced in from the beginning. I mean, I guess I didn't consider that. It could have been possible that they knew Vegas was aware the whole time. But I don't know. It's an interesting question. I haven't really seen any details or, or inside information coming out of that program. Zach's probably closer to it than either of us. What do you think, Zach? I I th- I don't think I don't think this was some kind of play here by Memphis to hold information. I, I don't think I, I think it was something just in a like with anything these days. It was an emotional decision. 
I think Kenny Gainwell obviously wants to play. He wants to mm-hmm. continue to improve his draft stock. He was someone who exploded on the scene last year, uh, was an All-American. I think that, like Nick said, he, he's lost um, several members of his family to this. I think it was just something to where he was like, okay, enough's enough. Like, this isn't – football is not more important than the safety of my family. So I think that it was something to where he just decided. and was like, hey, I, I can't. I, I don't think this was something to where – he told them three months ago, like, Hey, I'm out. And then they're like, okay, we yeah. won't tell anybody. Like I, you know, I, I think he's, yeah, I think he's been, he's been wanting to play and then finally just like, I can't. So, um, but yeah, Ho- sure, hopefully sure. everything. Well, and, is- and it, Gainwell, well, I was going to say he, he's in an interesting spot. And so is Stingley, the guy from LSU in terms of, you know, you can opt out, but it's not, you can't, go prepare for the NFL draft. So you're opting out is basically just saying you're sitting out for a yeah, year. Right. Like right. the whatever Telvin, you know, for LSU opted out, well, then he goes and gets ready for the draft. But, you know, Kenny Gainwell opts out and he goes to class, you know, ostensibly in Memphis for the next year and doesn't do anything. And the same thing, and now Stingley has not come out and said he's opting out. But, you know, that. I'm sure. I'm sure it's in the back of his mind. Hell, half the team, or two thirds of the team for LSU is yeah. opted out. So I, I know he's thinking about it. But you know, it's just it's an odd thing because he can't kind of quit school and go prepare for the draft. You would keep going to school and you'd just be a regular student and you know mm-hmm. practice with the team in terms of lift weights and stuff. So it's a, it's just interesting to me. All right, the the final game here. I think this is the game of the weekend. And truthfully. Looking at the at the schedule, this is the only game that I, I think of. I mean, this is a good football game. Like, this is going to be a game that I would watch any time of the year, pretty much. I mean, you know, unless it's a, a huge weekend. But this is a game that I would enjoy any time. BYU at Navy. Uh, I'm seeing – let me double-check here. I was seeing BYU minus three. It is – it's BYU minus one and a half now. And the over/under is set at fifty even. I'm gonna keep it simple here. I'm gonna go middies here. Take the uh, take the points. Ken Niamatololos, in his twelve seasons at Navy, they're thirty-four, twenty-three, and four against the spread as an underdog, including a seven-four and one mark as a home dog. So, home game, this feels awfully trappy for the Cougars. Uh, I'm going Navy here, plus two, plus one and a half, whatever you got it. I think Navy is going to give them fits in Annapolis. Um, BYU scrambled to make this eight-game schedule since the uh, Mountain West postponed their season. So, uh, Labor Day, weird, you know, weird schedule. It's not on a Saturday. It's on a Monday. It's at Navy. I'm taking the option team. It's going to be fundamentally sound, and I think Ken's going to have the uh, the fellas ready to go. Um, this is an interesting game because because didn't Niamatololo go to BYU? And I, I know he's Mormon. Believe he did. Yeah. So this is an interesting game. BYU is kind of pieced together, kind of a, a secretly fun schedule. Uh, it, I, you know, this is also an aside. How fun would it be if, if every single year 
teams just scrambled in the last two months of the of the off season to put together a schedule like this. You would the, the schedule will be so superior to what we get right now. That's true. Yeah. I mean, it would be awesome, but uh, I'm probably, I'm going to go with BYU just to be contrarian. Um, I just think that they, they bring in more talent. I do know that if you're looking for discipline, that Navy is going to be the team, maybe more disciplined early in the year, simply from, uh, you know, those guys that they didn't sleep in all summer. I don't know what the Naval Academy kids were doing, but I don't think that they were sleeping in. I I can assure you if, if, you know, the Naval, Academy wanted them to be up at, at seven o'clock in their, you know, their uniforms at home. They would they would have been up at, at, at six o'clock or whatever. So those guys are going to be prepared. But I just think BYU is just more talented. Uh, you know, they've got a bunch of twenty-seven year olds who are happy to be back with their families from their missions, and uh, that that's going to be maybe, maybe a little more maturity there. But I, yeah, BYU just based on talent. Yeah, I like BYU's quarterback Zach Wilson, the you know Mormon Manziel. I, he struggled this offseason. I think he, he actually almost lost his job coming into the fall. Um, so that's a little concerning if you're back in the Cougs. Um, the other thing is that Matt Bushman, their really good senior tight end, tore his Achilles. I think this week in practice. So BYU lost really their only offensive weapon to speak of on, on, on that side of the ball, their wide receiving core, they're replacing it from last year. So you've got a depleted receiving core. Your star tight end is out. You have a quarterback who you would think his confidence is a little shaky going into a game on the road against a quality opponent. I'm going with Zach here. I'm taking the middies plus the points. Um, I just trust them to execute on virtually every possession at home. Um, it's a cross country trip for, for BYU. That's tricky particularly tricky during, you know, COVID. Um, yeah, I, I kind of like Navy. I know Navy's retooling two in some spots, replacing a really good quarterback. But uh, I think I know what I'm getting with Navy more so than I do with BYU. So give me the points. Yeah. I, I, I also, if I had to like something here, I might secretly like the over. 55. I think this is a game played in the low 30s. And what what is it? 31-24 is a push. So anything over that is, is an over. Um, and I had it at, at 55. It, it, it may have shifted it shifted down to 50. I apologize. So, yeah, I definitely like the over here. If I'm going to play something, I'm probably playing the over. Life's too short on Labor Day evening to play the under. <laughs> Right, and if we you, all you, get your our, betting uh, service academy overs, you're living dangerously. Do you also not wear a mask, <laughs> Nick, when you go out in public? Oh, that's me, the non-mask wearer. Live dangerously. Live dangerously. Yeah. It is my unalienable right in the Constitution not to have to wear a mask. It's the third event. <laughs> all right. So, all right. We all had two locks, right? Uh, my lock was the under in, in SMU, Texas. And I'll take my other lock will be the, yeah, the, the, the over 50 in BYU Navy. Okay. So I had, uh, under USA, USM, and then I had, uh, SMU minus 21 and a half. Yeah, and I laid the 14 with Southern Miss and the three and a half or four, whatever you can get with Army. 
All right, cool. Uh, we'll do this. Uh, we'll make sure to uh, get our locks out to you uh, sometime tomorrow before uh, kickoff of um, South Alabama Southern Miss. We'll get them out there to you. But uh, we appreciate you listening. We appreciate you hanging in with us all during the summer as we have crawled tooth and nail to the starting line here. Gentlemen, we got anything else before we uh, before we head out? No, real, real quick, I'll add that enjoy the downtime this week because week two is a legitimately decent week of football. Uh, South Carolina, I mean, excuse me, North Carolina, Syracuse, Mm. Um, Tulsa and Oklahoma State. These are just ranked matchups. There's a ton of there's a ton of football. The Big Twelve gets going in earnest. ACC's got a bunch of matchups. Not a ton of ranked matchups, but a ton of matchups. So get ready. And I believe College Game Day is going to be uh, somewhere that week. So where where they'll Ooh, be, boy. they haven't announced. But that that when when College Game Day gets going, it's kind of things are real. Yeah, definitely. Keep some powder dry for next weekend for sure. Don't don't go blow your entire uh, bank account on the games this week. Um, and yeah. wear a mask so we can have football. Yeah, please. 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 Uh, all right. Well, that's going to do it for week one of the Legal Gambling Council. We appreciate you joining us here. Make sure to hammer those locks in. Get them secured. Secure the bag, I should say. And uh, we'll be back for week two and in the following weeks with uh, with more locks. And the more games, the more chances we can give you more locks. So for Nick, for Austin, I'm Zach. This has been Podcast.